0: Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Week 8 of the 2022 NFL season and the Miami Dolphins are once again spending the week in club dub for the fifth time this season. Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins. Let's talk about everything that took place.
2: You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins, your team every day. We don't just say it, we live it here on the Locked On Network. And very pleased to be spending yet another week here in Club Dove, our fifth win of the season for the 2022 season, pushing the Dolphins to 5-3. and three want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Your host Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, co-founder of the DraftNetwork.com. And uh, very, very relieved after a very, very stressful start to week eight of the 2022 season with the Dolphins, uh, you, you know, casually spotting the Lions 14 points. Uh, in which it it took all of three quarters to climb out of that deficit and put the Dolphins in a position to win this football game, which they ultimately did. And I I don't know that it's necessarily a surprise that the Dolphins took the absolute best punch that the Detroit Lions had to offer because in the build-up to the game this week, Ownership for Detroit came out and voiced their support for Dan Campbell, and they said they frustrated, but they understand it's a long-term rebuild, this, that, and the other thing. And when that came out, it was like, oh, geez, like did you have to do that on Dolphins week? But of course they did. And, and then Detroit comes out firing, and they scored six points in their last two games offensively. Previously, uh, in, in the first month of the season, they were the NFL's number one scoring offense. Well, lo and behold, uh, they scored 27 points In the first half of this contest and very quickly jumped on top of the Dolphins 14-0. Now, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't extremely anxious at that juncture in the football game. But knowing that Miami had come back from a 21.4th quarter deficit against Baltimore earlier in the season, you at least had some semblance of, okay, batten down the hatches, let's buckle it down, let's survive the storm. And sure enough, throughout the course of that first half, you saw enough glimpses of Detroit missing some plays and some flashes of pressure that made you feel like you could really disrupt Jared Jared Goff. And down the stretch, those were the kinds of plays that the Dolphins really needed to pull even in this football game and then ultimately take the lead late in the second half. Um, But Miami was not without their own self-inflicted wounds either. When you think about, uh, you know, how many times do we line up offsides? How many penalties did the Dolphins have declined? And we were cautiously optimistic after the Minnesota game, when we discussed this being a big point of emphasis for this team, that the team came out the following week and they were much, much better as far as what penalties they incurred against themselves. But they were back to those troublesome ways throughout the course of this game. And Detroit, through some of their game management decisions, elected to decline some penalties that – Quite frankly, it would have made the numbers look exponentially worse for the Dolphins. And this this game is a case of the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I think there is plenty of all to go around. So the way I would like to tackle this post game, with the Dolphins sitting now at five and three, and they have a road trip to Chicago this upcoming week and a chance to move themselves to six and three. It's a ripe opportunity to be had. We'll see how the Dolphins prepare themselves. We'll see how the Dolphins uh, come out this, this upcoming week. But I want to talk about those blocks of good, bad, and ugly for this Dolphins team across the course of the entire team effort. Because look, yeah, you know you don't like fumbling in the red zone and turning the ball over when you're trying to keep pace in a game. But you love the response offensively. You don't like giving up 27 points in the first half of the game, but the Lions didn't score in the second half. You don't like being on pace to give up about 600 yards passing or 550 yards passing. But then Jared Goff finished. The the Dolphins, from a ball control perspective, they they really flipped the script of, of the way that the game was being played. In the second half, Detroit held the ball, Five plays, negative two yards, three minutes and 55 seconds. Five plays, one yard, three minutes and six seconds. Ten plays, 53 yards, five minutes and 27 seconds. That is it. The Lions had three possessions in the second half of the football game. And on the first two, they had negative one yard of offense. I mean, that's incredible. By the time Detroit took over, there was eight nineteen left in the fourth quarter. They took over on their own 12-yard line. They turned the ball over on downs on fourth and one. They they took a shot at Josh Reynolds on that play. And the Dolphins take the ball over and, and props to the Dolphins. That that's the first good, bad, and ugly, right? You look at what the Dolphins or what the Lions did in the first half. Possession, touchdown, possession, touchdown, possession, touchdown, possession, field goal, possession, field goal. They scored on every single one. And they went seventy five yards to seventy eight yards, to seventy-five yards, fifty-one yards field goal, sixty seven yards field goal. And they were fortunate the the end of first half uh, played out the way that it did because they could have scored a touchdown on that one as well. Well, that's the bad. I guess you could say that's probably the ugly. The good is the way that you responded in the second half. And I thought the icing on the cake was the fact that the Dolphins took over on downs with 252. Detroit had all three timeouts. And what did the Dolphins do? They successfully milked the clock and they got good runs from Raheem Mostert on the first two runs of that drive to push the possession back out to near midfield. Then they came out of the two-minute warning. They took advantage of the two-minute warning and the extra time to talk about a play. They come out and they ran post-wheel and they threw the ball to Tyree Kill down the field for a 19-yard gain. So at the very least, if you didn't kill this, you felt really good about your opportunity to kick and get three points and make this a touchdown game. But Detroit started taking timeouts. You ran the ball for no gain. You ran the ball for two yards to a pass to Tyreek Hill for eight yards and a first down. And then they kneeled out the clock with a minute and 40 seconds left. And you had success in milking the clock all the way down. Props. Kudos to you for killing the game towards the end, because that is not easy especially when the other team knows what you want to do to keep the clock running. And we just saw situationally what Miami wanted to do after they got the interception against Kenny Pickett with four minutes left in the game against Pittsburgh last Sunday night, and they couldn't get a first down. And they gave the ball back to Pittsburgh, and they needed another interception on the last play of the game to seal the win. The fact that the offense took and dictated terms here at the end is a huge win that should not get overlooked in my mind as it pertains to looking at this entire team effort for the Miami Dolphins amidst the good, the bad, and the ugly. Today's episode of Locked on Dolphins is brought to you by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Everyone deserves to feel their best, and BetterHelp makes it easier to get started. As the world's largest therapy service, they've matched millions of people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. With all of the benefits of in-person therapy, plus it's more convenient, it's more accessible, and it's more affordable. Just fill out the brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist at any time. It cannot be any simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Get unstuck with BetterHelp. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash locked on. That is betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on.
2: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast.
0: Let's talk about the offensive performance for the Dolphins. From a team perspective, the Dolphins in this game, they had 27 first downs. They were 8 of 12 on a third down. They were 1 of 1 on fourth down. They averaged 7.5 yards per play. They had 700 or 700. Yeah, they had a good day. They didn't have that good of a day. 476 yards of offense. They rushed the ball for 4.1 yards a clip, and that's after three kneel downs at the end of the game to neuter what your rushing average was. You averaged 9.7 yards per completion. You were 3-for-3 in the red zone. You possessed the ball for 34 minutes and 22 seconds. These are really good. There's a lot of really good here. The bad... You lost the turnover battle one nothing on account of a fumble from Braylon Sanders, the UDFA, who was elevated and, and quite frankly, I'm um, I would be lying if I said I was not surprised that Braylon Sanders, who caught two balls for 17 yards, was not elevated and played in this game above Eric Azukama. Obviously, River Craycraft had a neck injury. That he was added to the injury report on Saturday. It was listed that he would not play. Yeah, bit of a surprise. And he took that opportunity and he caught a couple of passes. But he fumbled down in the red zone. And it really put the Dolphins in a bad spot. And that would be the bad in my mind. Because the Dolphins easily moved the ball. You were concerned about how easily Detroit moved the ball. They scored in two minutes. They went 75 yards in five plays. And the Miami gets down to the 22-yard line. And Sanders coughs up the ball, and Malcolm Rodriguez, two rookies, are involved in the turnover for the Detroit Lions. Um, Joseph forced the fumble, and Malcolm Rodriguez recovered the fumble. The ugly, offensively, or one of the uglies offensively, is the fact that we had another offensive lineman who left this game, and it was Liam Eichenberg, the left guard. And, and Eikenberg has certainly had his struggles, but the fact that You had a player who had to leave the game because of injury. We don't really know what his situation is right now. And Coach McDaniel said after the game, they'll know more on Monday. Um, That's an ugly component for a team that has been looking to get healthy up front. Now, we don't know what the prognosis is right now for Austin Jackson, who practiced a couple weeks ago. It sounds like they're expecting him to play this season, but he is on that 21-day clock of getting put back onto the practice field Whilst spending time on injured reserve, if they don't activate him, you run the you will lose him for the season. Now you're you're getting up against that, so you would have to think that Austin Jackson may be back in play. He played left guard for the team last year. Would they make that move with Brandon Shell, who I thought played a really good game yet again? Brandon Shell at right tackle has been good for this Dolphins team. I don't know. There's more good to be had. Uh, let's start with this, Tua Tonga-Valoa, 29 of 36 for 382 yards and three touchdowns, you know, 138.7 passer rating, a 92.8 QBR, he Was sacked twice for 13 yards lost, he showed the awareness to get down and slide a couple of times when he got outside the pocket and used his legs, that was really cool because that's not really a thing Tua ever does, and it's been a big point of emphasis, Uh, How about Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, both going for 100 yards again? They caught 20 balls for 294 yards and two touchdowns on 23 targets. Holy cow, man. And amidst all the chunk plays that the Dolphins had, the longest passing play that you had was 42 yards downfield. Jalen Waddle didn't even have a 30-yard catch. That's more good for this Dolphins team. More bad? For this Dolphins team, uh, I thought the running game aside of Raheem Mostert really struggled. Now, he ran and end around with Tyree Kill. That was a nice play. Savan Akhbe got a little bit of run. One carry for two yards. Chase Edmonds, four for 14, three and a half yards per carry. I think there is still a significant difference when Edmonds is on the field in the backfield right now versus Mostert. Mostert, man, he's he's playing his rear end off. He certainly belongs in the good conversation but the bad I'd look at the rest of the backs rushing effort and you're not really inspired with what you got but there there's you're you're really nitpicking to continue to find negatives offensively for a team that you know hardly punted i believe they punted twice uh, thomas morstead did, did an excellent job um Excuse me, Thomas stepped punted once and did an excellent job. He pinned Detroit down on that final possession for the Lions. Pinned them on their own 12-yard line. Uh, you're really nitpicking to find uglies offensively. I, I do think some were good to expand upon what Tua Tongvaloa was able to do in this game. A couple of the possessions that got down into the red zone, I thought Tua showed a really good patience within the pocket. And some of that's because of the pass protection. I thought protection, again, up front played fairly well. Uh, but but you you usually don't see Tua have those opportunities in the pocket to continue to survey the field and work all the way across the field is, quite frankly, as far as he got in some of those. And I know that was something that Coach Mike McDaniel was quoted as saying in the postgame, saying that the touchdown pass that ended up winning the game to throw to Mike Gusecki uh, was the fourth read in the progression that's pretty darn good to have that kind of time. And um, as you look across the, the landscape for this Dolphins effort, I think offensively you're going to have a hard time finding some uglies. Now, you won't have some of those issues defensively, especially in the first half, uh, but I do want to cover some special teams here, and, and most notably want to shout out Jason Sanders for, for his effort to make sure that he knocked through – a 45-yard field goal, which was obviously a critical score in the game because it, it forced Detroit in, in the late portions of this game to need a touchdown. But this, you know, this this was a large part of some of the formulas that the Dolphins have had in other games, looking namely at Minnesota. Statistically, you dominated Minnesota, and you moved the ball freely. But what you did not do as you did not finish driving the red zone and you asked Jason Sanders to take kicks. And what happens is, well, Jason misses a couple kicks and you get on the other side of the game. It's like, well, shoot, we left seven points out there. Well, if the Dolphins do that in this game, they lose the game. It was Detroit that kicked two field goals versus one for Miami. All those little things kind of adding up. You want to go bad, ugly, you look at the ugly, let, let's talk about the penalties. Miami was penalized seven times for 55 yards, and they must have had had another six penalties that were declined. Like little stuff, too. Lining up in the neutral zone, jumping the snap early, blocking the back on a punt return. And the Dolphins actually got a little bit of teeth in the return game in this game, which they've got nothing in all season long. Well, Cedric Wilson's back there returning punts. You get a 12-yard return on one of these kicks. He had an even better return that set the Dolphins up in really good position. And it got called back because of of an illegal block in the back. Self-inflicted wounds were a a central story for too much of this game. And it set the stage for the Dolphins to have a dramatic win that ideally, well, again, you don't turn the ball over in the red zone. Ideally, you find a way to get a couple stops, and and you tip your cap to Jared Goff. He made a couple really nice throws. We're talking about the defensive side of the ball to close the show. But ideally, you don't put yourself in a situation where it's a four-point lead and you got to kill a clock. But that's also life in the NFL, and these games can be really hard. And we saw that against a now 1-6 Detroit Lions team. They gave the Dolphins their absolute best effort across this game. As an original online jeweler, Blue Nile offers the largest selection of independently graded diamonds and pieces priced significantly below traditional retailers, Blue Nile has helped millions of couples create their perfect engagement ring. Their easy online tools let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as the setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then help you handcraft your perfect one-of-a-kind engagement ring. Whether you're looking for a piece of jewelry to commemorate a special milestone and still having trouble choosing or looking to make your moment sparkle, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Make your moment sparkle with Blue Nile. Go to BlueNile.com and use code LOCKED ON to save $50 on your purchase of $500 or more. That is B L U E N I L E.com slash LOCKED ON. To save $50 on your purchase of $500 or more, BlueNile.com code LOCKED ON.
2: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Defensively, there's there's a lot to get into, including the very surprising decision to healthy scratch Eric Rowe for this game, which in the midst of Brandon Jones going down, um, it was pretty concerning in the pregame 90 minutes before kickoff to find out that Eric Rowe wasn't going to dress for the game. Wasn't even going to dress for the game. Obviously, they called up Verone McKinley to play in this game. You had Clayton Fegidum, you had Elijah Campbell, um, and, and you knew you were going to lean heavily, more heavily, on Duke Riley to contribute. And the Dolphins got more of their corners back. There's some good and good, some bad and some ugly to talk about here. I think one piece that's good is Javon Holland was allowed to move around the defense more. Because they had a player in Verone McKinley that they wanted to play in the high post. Was that enough of a motivation for you to not dress Eric Rowe? I don't think so. I still think Eric Rowe could have had a very, very valuable role in this defensive effort. Especially when TJ Hawkinson lit you up for three for 80 and had a long catch. James Mitchell, another tight end, one for 14. And you, you gave up literally 100 receiving yards to tight ends in this game. Eric Rowe, with the thing he does best is cover tight ends. So I was very surprised to see that. I would be very surprised. And, you know, unless you chose not to dress Eric Rowe because you think you have a taker for him on the trademark and the trade deadline is like Tuesday, maybe. But I was still very, very surprised, and I would be very surprised if they make that decision again. But the return of two players in the secondary, Cater Kohu and Keon Crossan, they both popped in this game. Crossan, contributions on special teams. We know he's one of the better gunners on the team. But he also made a key play in coverage down the field. And Cater Kohu, like, played outside pretty significantly. He was really good in run support, too. I was really impressed, But but – Verone McKinley playing in the high post allowed Javon Holland to move around. Javon Holland finished this game with 10 solo tackles and a pass defense. And the pass defense was a really good punch that Detroit tried to review and see if it was actually a catch, but well-timed punch from from Javon Holland on the second step of the wide receiver, and the ball is incomplete. I'm not going to tell you anything you don't already know when I tell you you can't give up 27 points in the first half of a football game. But for as bad as it was and for as frustrating as that was, a tip at the cap to this Dolphins defense for pitching a shutout in the second half of the second consecutive game. When the plays were needed to be made, the adjustments were clamps in the second half. By the time Detroit touched the ball for that third possession in the fourth quarter with eight minutes left in the game, they had negative one yard of offense in the second half. Unreal effort. Unreal effort. And you stop shooting yourself in the foot. You stop lining up offsides. Oh, there's, if that felt like there's some sarcasm there for that being a, a key adjustment, yeah, there was. Would I have loved to have seen you influence more negative plays on this Detroit offense? Yes, absolutely. I don't love coming out of a game and Jared Goff is twenty-seven to thirty-seven. He averaged eight point seven yards. Per attempt. He didn't throw the throw he didn't turn the ball over and he was sacked once for ten yards. But that was the game script. Was they had success lining up in heavy formations and play action passing you to depth. And you gotta honor with when an offensive line is this good. Like I had a couple people reach out after the game and say, Hey, you know, the, the defensive line needs to play better. I was alarmed by how the defensive line played against Detroit. Also say Detroit is like a top three offensive line in all of football. They got a lot of talent. They got a lot of talent up front. Oh, and DeAndre Swift was back this week. He carried the ball five times for six yards, largely a non-impact. He did have receiving touchdown. But it was Jamal Williams who rushed the ball 10 times for 53 yards and two touchdowns and tore you up between the tackles. When a guy's running the ball like that, when a guy runs as hard as Jamal Williams does, I understand why you're a little bit more hesitant to get out of your run keys and into your pass rush. But you have to have have more influence plays than that. You have to win, win more early downs. And thank goodness, one of the things Detroit did in that first possession of the second half, I believe it was, they imploded. You looked up, they had the ball was first and 30. They took four penalties before they even got a positive yard. You can't rely on a team to do that for you. Now, from a game ball's perspective, Jalen Phillips was bearing down Jared Goff again. He had a, a number of pressures. He had two quarterback hits he was credited with. Zach Sealer passed, knocked down two passes at the line of scrimmage. If you're not going to get home, yeah, get your hands up. Zach Sealer, two passes defense. He did have a sack, and he had a tackle for loss. Sealer played a heck of a game. The efforts of those guys up front kind of bailed you out. But what's interesting now is you foil what Detroit did. And and Detroit, I think offensively, was much more of what they showed early against Miami than what they were the the past couple weeks coming in, where they, they scored six points in two games. You now have a chance now to go against the Chicago Bears this upcoming weekend. And Chicago, they're trying to find their identity. They're not really a consistent threat passing the ball. If you put Xavier Howard on Darnell Mooney and you play matchups across the board, you're going to feel good about your guys to win their one-on-ones. But what Detroit does not have, Chicago does have in a absolute nightmare athlete at the quarterback position. This is a big game for guys like Jalen Phillips coming up. He's going to have to continue to play well. I thought he played fairly well. I thought he was close to a couple sacks. But we can't have almost plays against an athletic quarterback like Justin Fields. Because he will get outside the pocket, he will extend plays, and he can make stuff happen. All in all, ugly first half defensively for Miami. Admirable effort from the Dolphins to climb back in after a couple self-inflicted wounds. And then hell of a job creating adjustments on the defensive side of the ball to pitch a shutout, and the Dolphins took care of business. And most importantly, the situational football in crunch time. The Dolphins did what they needed to do. And now you roll out and you're 5-3 and three and you're going to go home and you're going to practice this week and you're ready for the Chicago Bears and hope that you you do what you need to do and you can look up and you could say, okay, we undid the damage that the adversity from an injury perspective did to this season after the first three games. And if you do that and you beat Chicago, we all know the next two games on the schedule, the Cleveland Browns, bye week, Houston, Texans. One week at a time. So I promise I'm not going to talk too much about the, the Browns and Texans coming up. We're solely focused on the Bears. But in the same way that Detroit, we we talked about it on Thursday, we talked about it on Friday, do not overlook this football team. Do not overlook the Chicago Bears. They are 3-5. and five. They just put 29 points on the Dallas Cowboys, the same Dallas Cowboys team that gave up just a handful of points to Detroit last week. This is not a team to be overlooked just like Detroit. Let's tread lightly. Let's stay focused. We as Dolphins fans, we got a fun week coming up here on the show. Your team every day. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Enjoy your staying club dub another week. We're here fifth time this season. Here's to number six next Monday. Enjoy the rest of your victory Monday. I'll talk with you all tomorrow after breaking down the Dolphins all 22 from the win over the Lions.